0: the quantum mechanics yes we are the quantum mechanics with the paranormal podcast for the believers the doubters and everyone in between um weather watch update i think we'll carry on the paranormal theme i was thinking reasonable weather to capture images of bigfoot is the weather today
1: that's true although he's going to be a sweaty bigfoot it's really quite humid
0: it's it's humid it is humid but i'm not sure how that affects a cryptid like bigfoot
1: I reckon he will be he's sort of wiping his brow and dripping off his arms it's not a nice image yeah no and, <laughs> and
0: they apparently stink anyway so he's going to be they do. <laughs> it's gonna be very stinky
1: um I think it would be
0: amiss of us not to mention David Grosh I think that's how he presents his name pronounce his name at the top of the show uh, given the coverage it's had in the media the past week yeah. especially in mainstream media I mean it's been amazing yes. Um, for those of you who don't know, Grush is a former military intelligence officer. He was testifying in front of the US House Oversight Committee looking at UAPs and UFOs. And there were some key takeaways from his testimony, and they had former military pilots like David Fraver, who was involved in the Tic Tac UFO incident. I know he's been on a few things before. I mean... Ben, we could have done a whole podcast on the hearings, but it has been covered extensively. So, I just wanted to talk about the key takeaways for me and the feeling I got from it. Um, so, I mean the t- the key ones were sightings of UAPs and UFOs by pilots, both military and commercial according to the testimony, are just commonplace, right?
1: Yeah, that's, that really, that was one of the most shocking things, wherever the Navy is exercising, I think he said.
0: Yeah, yeah. He also testified that he was informed there's been, in his words, a multi-decade UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering programme, which kind of backs up a lot of what bobblers are, let's about. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. I've been looking at his channels to see if he's said anything, but he hasn't yet. As he's kept quiet so far. Yeah.
0: Um, Gross also said that he'd interviewed officials who had direct knowledge of aircraft with, I quote, non human origins and so called, I quote, biologics, I think he described it as, bi- biologics recovered from some craft. Now, that is the first time I think I've heard anyone with some kind of official credibility talking about that
1: yeah it was a confusing word as well because I know what he means but I I guess it's a more technical word than I'm used to but if that it was when he said that that um I guess I really sat up because you can talk about machines and you can uh, you you can sort of debate, oh, do they come from China? Do they come from Russia and machines and machines? But um, DNA that we don't recognise, that is very different.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was some incredible stuff there and I guess it was impactful enough to be taken seriously by the mainstream media. But I was left with a weird feeling after it all and I've been really digging deep to find out why I felt uncomfortable with the whole thing. And this is a weird connection, Ben, but strangely it left me thinking about John Lydon's quote at the end of the Sex Pistols' infamous US tour in 1978. (laughs) That is a bit of a leap to this story.
1: Okay, go on.
0: (laughs) But on that tour and that, um, that, that final gig, a frustrated and downbeat Johnny Rotten said the words to the audience after the last song, ''Ever get the feeling you've been cheated?'' Yeah. And I think that's how I've been feeling about the explosive testimony um, about UFOs and this alien visitation. I'm not doubting that Grosh and others who testified believe what they're saying, not at all. But it did leave me wondering from the testimony, it felt like UFOs are permanently flying around airspace. Mm -hmm. If that was the case, really,
1: could it be kept as secret as it's been for so many years? I suppose a blip on a radar and somebody reporting it are very different to actual physical evidence. Yeah. And I think there's also that thing, you know, we know that airline pilots have been grounded for reporting UFOs. Yeah, that
0: is true. But it's still a lot of people to kind of is a lot cover of up. The other thing that I heard reported was that the Department of Defence approved or at least agreed to Grutius testifying and that left me with the bigger question of why yeah why would they do that i mean yeah. you think of all the people that the fbi and defense and the military have you know come after for leaking secrets less impactful than this one
1: yeah i'm so you're sort of suggesting maybe there is a nefarious sort of bigger game plan going on here yeah because for me i thought i thought is this another
0: step in you know full and real disclosure Mm -hmm. but it does beg the
1: question it seems that process seems to be taking a hell of a long time it's very slow isn't it it's disclosure by a thousand revelations yeah exactly
0: and i don't know is it I, i just keep coming back to is it kind of some form of misdirection that's about secret US technology or technology from someone like China. And this is all about, you know, almost like a, a magician, bit of misdirection, you mm-hmm. know, look over here. So those two things, it's either there is something going on and this is the start of a slow disclosure process or, you know, it's to cover up something else. So I, I don't know. I, it's always the case, isn't it, with these UFO things. No matter of what the evidence or testimony comes out, there's always a bit of you that goes, this is a rabbit hole, and they're trying to stick us down one area of the maze rather than another area, so... Yes. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, the CIA came out and said, we don't know anything about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very possible, isn't it, that um, the information is so siloed that it only exists within strata of personnel in different agencies and military sections so perhaps perhaps what the cia is true saying is true and perhaps what Grolsch is saying is true
0: yeah and like i said i'm not doubting he he is telling what the truth as he's seen it or as he's been told but it's just what he's been told i guess the real you know glimmer of hope out of the whole thing is the mainstream media is taking it seriously. It's Mm. not being reported as, oh, little green men, you know what I mean? We haven't got
1: the X-Files music playing. Yeah, exactly.
0: And, you you know, amazing revelations, you know what I mean? It's like it is being taken as a serious story. So I think if more serious journalists, I know the New York Post and people have been really good at looking into it in a serious way, but I think the more journalists that look into it, maybe the more
1: we'll find out. I think that's absolutely right and all we can I mean I suppose the other bit about it is the elements where they say I can't tell you about that unless we're in uh, closed session session." yeah Yeah. exactly yeah so I suppose the thing I'm hoping for is we'll have some revelations that get relayed from closed sessions whether that's on purpose or leaked I don't know but yeah the um, if you want to Listen to the full unadulterated session it's a long session it's over three hours and I think it's probably best listened to rather than watched on YouTube because it's just talking faces but um I noticed that the podcast Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague they put out on the same day so that's last Wednesday Thursday Wednesday the um the full session uh just as an audio clip on their feed that's worth listening to. I've I've listened to that a couple of times, listening for nuggets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yes, do a bit of your own digging around. I mean, as I said, we could have covered the whole thing today, but you know, it's everywhere. So I think a quick summary and just a little bit of our thoughts and yeah, go and dig a bit deeper.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well look, staying on the UFO theme, I am as probably anybody who's remotely interested in the paranormal interested in the moon and the moon landings and um, if there is really something going on with the moon that we don't know Mm. and I was inspired to do this by I just came across on YouTube there's some guy who's taken video imagery of what looks like craft flying around the moon and you know he's not the only one i found a few like that but i went back to see if i could find some great source material someone who's really looked into this with a serious eye and i came across this book which i was vaguely aware was out there but i decided to dive into it so it's um george Leonard's someone else somebody else is on the moon from 1976 And his book is all about how he believes he can see machinery in the pictures that NASA have published of the moon. Now, straight away, as soon as I dived into the book, I felt it had similarities to Ringmakers of Saturn. You, you remember that one I do indeed that the rings of Saturn
0: were made by alien spacecraft massive from what i remember like yeah the
1: size of small countries and they're hiding yeah. in them yeah so this book it feels a little the same it's that um distance of 50 years makes things seem perhaps a little naive but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a point But I would say that the byline, Incredible Proof of an Alien Race on the Moon, (laughs) the word proof is doing a lot of heavy lifting in there. But just just before I dive into his book, I just want to sort of set up the scene for what happened um, around the time that he he wrote this book and sort of in the immediate aftermath. So... In the late 70s, there was a lot of chatter about the moon. We were only 10 years away from having landed on the moon, of course, by 79. And I found this quote. Um, so according to a NASA employee, Otto Binder. That's a good name, isn't it? Yeah, that's a good name. Um, unnamed, of course, unnamed radio hams with their own VHF receiving facilities that bypassed NASA's broadcasting outlets picked up the following exchange. Uh, so NASA what's there, mission controller calling Apollo 11, I can't really do an actor's voice here, Apollo 11, these babies are huge sir, enormous, oh my god you wouldn't believe it, I'm telling you that other spacecraft out here lined up on the far side of the crater edge they're on the moon and watching us and that comes out at the same time, uh, again 1979 as Maurice Maurice Chakling former chief of NASA communications systems confirmed that Armstrong had indeed reported seeing two UFOs on the rim of a crater. The encounter was common knowledge in NASA, he revealed, but nobody has talked about it until now. That sounds like what you were just saying there about the the Congress hearings, right? So many people knew about it. How come no one's talking about it? Yeah, true, true. And then I noticed, so I was looking for anything slightly more contemporary. Um, There's from 20... 18 there's a report in lots of the press the one that I've got is actually from the uh, the Daily Star in the UK former US Air Force sergeant Carl Wolf waited 30 years after the alleged incident to tell his story and his story is that he saw pictures of bases on the dark side of the moon and in 2018 he died in a car accident, just as he was beginning to tell everybody his story. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, possibly, possibly there's a conspiracy there. I I
0: guess, you know, I'm always struck by... When you see those dramatisations of the Apollo missions, all the astronauts are driving like the top sports cars, aren't they? <laughs> you know, these guys are risk-takers, so, you know... They are. I'm not sure they're going to be, you know, setting their uh, their their speedo
1: to just be five miles under the speed limit. No, 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 exactly, exactly. But what Wolf said he saw ties into the book. He... Th- claims to have seen huge geometric shapes and masts that look like radar antenna that you would find on mars All Right. so if we get back to the journey in the book because i think this is this is quite, quite telling the um the sort of the story he lays out the first thing the author does and he's a, an ex NASA employee himself right is that he is looking out for somebody almost to guide him through an insider in NASA. He's left NASA by now and he wants an insider and straight away he gets put in touch with is not his real name. This guy's Dr. Samuel Whitcomb, who's an engineer. And as you might imagine, an astronomy enthusiast,
0: You can tell that's a made-up name for NASA and the space programme because they have got names like Wolf and Iron Fist. Yeah. (laughs) That that, that name's just far
1: too normal. Chad Wachowski. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Samuel Whitcomb is um, surprisingly mundane. Yeah. Um, But he appears through the book as a kind of... um, In my notes, I said he's like a smoking man because he, every so often the author kind of goes back to him and says you know, where should I look now? What should I do? And he says, oh, well, maybe you should look at this photograph and I'm not telling you what to look for, but study the bottom right-hand corner really carefully. You know, that kind of infuriating evidence that Mulder never quite got but (laughs) was sort of intimated to. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And there's a part of me, again, with that 50-year sort of lens on it of, well if everything he's saying in here, and I don't disbelieve, I, I believe he believes everything that he's saying in here, it does smack slightly of disinformation, of kind of, well, you know, we can make this look a lot more ridiculous if we do this, and then somebody comes out with a book about it, and then we can all point and laugh. Well, it is that's interesting, isn't it? Tying back
0: to Grosh, we were talking about on the top of the show, because I think a lot of his testimony was, people have told me, do you know what I mean, rather than first-hand knowledge. So it's interesting if you buy into the conspiracy theories, that is a consistent pattern, isn't it? Pick yeah. someone who wants to talk about this stuff, who maybe, you mentioned Mulder, who wants to believe, feed them a little bit of information or disinformation and then just watch that plant grow, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Well, the first sort of thing that he points at as being like the thing that gets his head scratching is the story of the origin of the moon. I mean, like, not the, I don't mean the made up story, they're sort of how we believe it is formed. And he says at the moment, you know, the writing from 1976, um, he says, there are two main ways that people believe the moon um came into being so it either came together from dust and matter at the same time as the earth and the other planets were formed making it like a true sister body yeah or it was a wandering asteroid in space um a thing of like as he puts it rags and tatters that got captured by the earth when it came too close but he says okay so that's possible and the second one i think he believes in more but he points out why do some rocks on the moon why are they older than the rocks on earth and that is still true today i checked it out so some of the rocks on the moon date back at least four billion years some of them perhaps longer but we rarely find a rock on earth that is beyond 3.8 billion and i I guess
0: the first thing that jumps into my head is all the impact craters on the moon so they could have been hit by you know but i guess we would have been going through the same process on earth as well so they should exist here right
1: well so that's the other thing he says craters and their origins he believes that again we haven't got to the bottom of this so he says um the notion that volcanic eruptions formed a lot of craters is now out of fashion and that is yeah. still not uh, not in fashion at all yeah um he says some scientists believe that probably some of them were formed by volcanic uh, eruptions, but not the larger craters and not a significant percentage and there are other theories to account for the origin of craters, but none of them none of the theories really cover um the whole the whole gamut. they can't explain the huge craters and the little craters and the different ways that they manifest so some of the little ones have little spray patterns around them you know that sort yeah. of familiar thing some of the larger ones have no spray patterns at all he he claims which um i didn't realize but um So he, and again, he says, you know, and wouldn't the Earth, but then, of course, the Earth does have an atmosphere and would burn up a lot of these things. So that is a good explanation for that.
0: And and I guess we know there was
1: volcanic activity on the Earth, so a lot of them could have been covered up, right? That's right. But it's this this idea of um, the moon is a very strange body. Where did it come from? And these craters are ill-explained that leads him to sort of question what NASA might be saying internally. And he says that he believes that there's a lot of NASA scientists who talk privately about the spraying and carving that can clearly be seen on many NASA photographs. So in this case, by spraying, I mean suspended um, molecules of um, dust in, in the air around craters. And this is where he starts moving into, right, so these are some of the things that I've seen, and move straight from the this sort of curious question as to what could have caused all these craters. And, to, and, I, and I mean, I'm no
0: geologist, but uh, I really am not. Oh,
1: well, I very much misunderstood what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, Welcome to the geology <laughs> podcast. Um, I'm
0: sitting here thinking, wouldn't that be created by... An asteroid or some um, a meteor hitting the surface of the moon wouldn't it just create that spray pattern or is that not the case?
1: Well, so that the spray patterns, yes, but the suspended um, dust in the air, and and he will we'll get onto it later. But he says in some photographs there is dust above a crater, and then a photograph taken later there is no dust. Uh, okay. So, but the crater is of older. Origin, right? So, this is where he starts talking about the machines that are mining, right? So, something
0: has happened to make that dust go away, and that's not logically
1: possible with our conventional understanding of the moon. Yes, right. yes, and so he then begins the next chapter um, a machine the size of the Bronx, a motor the size of the Bronx. I'm sorry. It's, and it's, that's very ring, ring to saturn isn't, isn't it exactly you don't have a mini
0: metro you've got to go full on juggernaut haven't you
1: yeah and so he and and you can look this up if you like so i'm going to reference a few photographs these photographs are at the back of his book unfortunately because this is a reproduction of the original pressing of the book the the plates haven't survived brilliantly in the reproduction and the photographs at the back of the book are very, very difficult to make anything out of. I've even used the magnifying glass. So you can't see the JCB logo on the side. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you can look up on the NASA archive. You can look up some of these photographs. So there's one that he references, and this is the one where he believes he could see this machine. Um, 72H1387, um, very, very catchy. Yeah. And, That's um, my favourite NASA photo. <laughs> he says, if you look carefully at the half-inch area just above the rim of the crater, which is known as Labiniki A, and he says, <laughs> you get used to the light and shadow, and then if you use a reading glass, he says, look at that. Can you see the shaft of the gear sticking out? Just below it, the remains of another larger gear... It seems as though part of it has been ripped away, exposing its inner teeth. And he's drawn a little, a little diagram, um, which um, unfortunately is worse than the diagram that I drew when <laughs> I did remote viewing. But he says he can see this. And to test whether he thinks, you know, whether he's seeing things or not. And I will give him this. He isn't just going, yep, I see this. He goes and finds another friend of his from NASA. And again, it's it's a, um, a made-up name. And he says, without setting him up, he says, look, have a look at this photograph, this specific area. I want you to draw and write what you see. If you match what I have drawn, then you buy me dinner. If you can't see what I can see, I'll buy you dinner. Right. And he says at the end of the chapter, he's buying him dinner. Right. So he claims that this other NASA scientist draws the similar gear fashion and basically he takes this as agreement that he is seeing what he is seeing he believes this is a machine yeah i mean
0: i'm thinking paradoilia a little bit there I and mean, that's what i often think about yeah. these things with mars and the moon you know and there was there was there was a cloud one quite recently where it looked like a lion you know and it made the papers so when you look at it <laughs> it looks like a lion so if you said draw that cloud you draw a lion but that doesn't mean it's a lion do you know what I mean
1: well so interesting what you say about paradolia because he then goes on to talk about well if there are mining operations down there then presumably you might leave some more I guess Uh, created shapes rather than nature shapes right symmetrical well the first thing that he says he can see is a (laughs) fleur-de-lis um and he says it's positioned inside this specific crater and he describes he says inside the crater rim at 10 o'clock is a marvelous sculpture highlighted by the sun it's a perfect design at the top of a rock pillar symmetrical from top to bottom and he draws it down below and he says the fleur-de-lis is particularly interesting because it appears on the floor of another crater that is being worked on. And uh, I I, can see what he's talking about in the photographs, but, I mean, as you can t- imagine, it's very small. The chances of something looking like the fleur-de-lis in a, a body the size of the moon by accident are quite high. Yeah. He also goes on to he records, he, I, i.e., likely, you mean, likely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he records he's found insignia on the moon as well, and this is a drawing that he has made. It's on page one hundred sixty-one of the book. I think we probably can put a picture of this on the social media. He says it was taken from a camera three point seven miles above the moon's surface, um, in orbit, and. He's right. It does look like human writing. You could see a capital A, another capital A, an I, an R, a C, a P, and possibly a V. But... Are these just random letters, or is he seeing some kind of pattern in the word word being formed? He's not seeing a word. He is saying that there is perhaps... It's a marking of some sort. So he talks about whether it is uh, like left for us right. or whether it is something that the people who are working the moon, the ob- the, 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 whoever it is that is working the moon, has left it there. But he doesn't answer the question, why are they writing in English? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But he uses Maybe this. Maybe it's a
0: translation thing that, you know, what they're doing is for the Apollo mission. It's just a sign that says no parking.
1: <laughs> well the, yeah he does say that he does yeah, really. say that it yeah. could just be don't come here yes it could just be marking saying this mine is finished or something like right, that right, wow. and it's just a it's just our paradigm that it looks like our alphabet right i think it's more likely that that is how the rocks have crumbled unfortunately yeah, yeah. so then we move on to something that he seen he thinks that he could see all over the moon and he calls them x drones and The way he describes them is the most numerous kind of rig on the moon is a huge object looking like two crossed earthworms. They vary in size from under a mile to three miles in any direction. They're not straight-edged and they are dull metallic in appearance as are the super rigs described above. So that's the massive machine I was talking about. Although they can lift one or two legs in doing their work, they do not as they stand um, as they lie flat on the ground, unlike the super rigs, which um, sit erect. How does he know they can lift their legs? Uh, yeah, this is... Yeah, you see my problem with the, the right. offer here. Okay. Their function, as we shall see, differs from the digging and ground-moving functions of the super rig. Um, and he says, I call them the X-drones because they're as good a name as any. It describes their shape and uh, denotes that they work. And he says... Um, wherever there is a lot of work to be done in certain parts of the moon, the chances are excellent she will find these big X's slaving away, ripping and slicing crater rims, and pulling taut whatever material it is. They used to stretch across ribs for cover, lifting hundreds of thousands of tonnes of weight at one time. You don't know that. How can you know that? I'm
0: curious on location, because... Is, is this all happening on, and I know it's not technically accurate, but the dark side of the moon for us? But. That's right. Yeah. Well, not all of it, but the vast majority, yes. So, so that, yes. that would be an interesting study, wouldn't it, would it? I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm rolling with it, but if the dark side of the moon was completely different, looked like a mine surface, and the side that we get to look at you know, every night isn't like that. That's That would be quite compelling evidence, wouldn't it? It would. And the two sides do look different,
1: but that isn't necessarily... Might
0: be, yeah, because of the way it's set up and structured and it doesn't
1: <laughs> it, rotate, it, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, um, and, and the reason that he gives that he talks about the X-Drones this way is because, for example, he cites a particular photograph where um, the, he can see that some rubble lies at the side of a crater but the other side of the crater the rubble has disappeared and he says well look it's obviously been moved I mean has it obviously been moved has it but that's the that's what he says
0: I mean I may save this point but maybe we'll come back to it but what's striking me is let's go I mean we often do this let's go with this is all true. Let's go with I am the alien civilization. Setting up operation on a satellite of the earth where there is a kind of human presence and you could be spotted. Either you don't care, or is there something you ne- know? Like, where am I going with this? Is there something unique about the moon that they would take the risk of going there even though it's close to a uh an inhabited planet either either they're doing this mining operation all throughout the solar system right because or is there something unique about the moon in terms of what's on it
1: well i will come on to his theories later but one of his theories is that maybe they're not mining for minerals maybe they're doing slow repairs on an ancient spacecraft Right. And, and I find that very credulous, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, that, that's not a new theory, is it? It isn't, no. Yeah. But... Like the the hollow moon theory, isn't it? It's like that. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's absolutely the hollow moon theory. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But just just to go back to his evidence, and I use those words um, advisedly, he does point out that crosses can be seen all over the moon.
0: Well, it's the worms, isn't it?
1: Well, no, these are crosses in the um, in the rock, right? And he believes again these are features so that overhead craft can spot where they are going around the moon. I mean, in 1976, nobody had really thought of sat-nav, I suppose. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um. So some advanced alien technology has to put some X's or some rocks, otherwise they can't land. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay.
1: and he bases this on. he he talks to a NASA test pilot and they point out that when they go flying out across the desert so that they know exactly where they are, there are markers on the ground. And he says, well, that's what these must be markers. And I don't know, but then there's one very specific cross that he points out. looks like something we've seen before. Let me just show you this picture. Um, Listeners, I've balanced my coffee too close to my computer. But look at that. Yeah, got that. What does that remind you of? I was thinking Hangman. No. Where have we seen that before in a UFO case? Oh, my God. Lonnie (sighs) Zamora. Yes. Wow.
0: Okay. That is... You're right. So this is a symbol. It's a straight line going up vertically... It's almost like an arrowhead, isn't it, pointing straight Yeah, Yes, like up. a roof shape on the top. Oh, God, that is exactly the same as... Did Lonnie
1: say he saw it on the craft yes, itself? Yes, it was an insignia on the craft. Yes. Oh, that is weird, actually. And And that was in 1964. So this, is this the symbol that he says are on the rocks? Yes. Right. Yes.
0: Had the Lonnie Zamora thing happened at that Yeah, point? that was
1: 64. Yeah, OK. But I can see that shape where he says he can see it. But, uh,
0: again though it's not the most complex of shapes is it it isn't the most complex of shapes no and like you said if if paradoilia wise if it is likely that if you search on the moon or on mars or anywhere else you're going to find something that looks like the fleur de lis you're certainly going to come across something that looks like a an arrow
1: right <laughs> i think so i think so but i do i thought it was interesting, interesting that he pulled right? the two Together, and... So did he make the
0: Zamora connection? Yeah, he did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just for anyone, I mean, I'm sure you're all aware, we have done an episode on Lonnie Zamora. So Lonnie Zamora was uh, a member of the police. He was a police officer, yeah. Police officer in America. Uh, He was chasing, I think it was like a stolen car or something like that, in the desert, and then he spotted a UFO with what he believed were aliens wandering around and he called in called it in and the military and other people came along and yeah there was scorched earth and all kinds of stuff going on it's a really intriguing case so uh, if you've not listened to the podcast on it if you do a little search for Lonnie Zamora um you can uh, go back and find it well we we'll actually we'll probably stick the link to it in the show notes as well so you can go straight there but it's an intriguing brilliant story
1: it's a, it's one of my favorite ufo stories yeah, yeah. And,
0: and he by talking about it he was treated quite badly as well wasn't he
1: he was he yeah, was yeah um but to sort of the last two pieces of evidence and this whole book is really um, it's a bit like ringmakers of Saturn in that again he hits an argumentation upon an argumentation which do feel like um, hypotheses built upon hypotheses yeah. but this is interesting he shows a plate where he calls the chapter objects which move uphill and there are two long trails that he points out 900 feet and 1200 feet long and they are left by. A rock which is seventy-five feet across. Two rocks that are both the same size, roughly the same size. They come from the inside of a crater, and they move up and over the lip. And he says, "What could have caused that? Could it be volcanic action?" But he said, "I have to remind you, NASA have said that the moon is volcanically quiet at the moment. Yeah. So what could have caused it? It must be. It must be mechanical activity. Must be. Well." I that I think is one of his most intriguing pieces of evidence Yeah. although are, are we sure that they're tracks I think that's where I go to But again I keep coming back to it but
0: even a small meteor could cause that disturbance couldn't it crashing into the surface
1: uh, and then rolling up using its yeah even inertia
0: some, you know because of the speed it's travelling on it doesn't actually have to be big right it could be the size of a tennis ball you know what I mean
1: yeah 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 that's true it's interesting though
0: isn't it because i think the comparison with the ring makers to satin is a really good one something about i wonder if it's to do with publishers and shifting the books because it's very similar isn't it somebody with nasa experience looking at old photos finding something and almost i mean i've not read that book that you're talking about today, but it'd be interesting if you agree with what I'm going to say is it's almost like, Oh my God, look at that photo. That could be this. And then they're off. You know what I mean? Nothing yes. else comes into play from then on in. And almost everything you're doing is standing it up. I think that the X is, is a really good example. Cause like you said, we, you know, we don't need that anymore. You've got GPS and navigation and you've got to think that, an advanced alien species would have their own version of GPS and wouldn't have to put an X on some rocks in order to land. But because that was how they did it at the time, you almost, to use a pun, reverse engineer it to fit your story.
1: Yes, yeah, I, I think, um, I think that's a very good, a good point. I, I don't think for one second that he hasn't set out to prove his theory. I don't think he's been massively objective with this, yeah, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but his last piece of sort of argumentation, it's interesting because it does tie into the phenomena of lunar transient phenomena, which you probably have heard of, where you can see things on the moon, usually lights, actually, right, that appear in one one day and then not the next. And I will talk about that in a minute because it is still somewhat of a mystery to us. But he talks about um, gas and this, um, these plumes of dust, right, right, that he says are there once and then they're not there in the second photo. And he calls this gas ejection.
0: Right.
1: And he says if this gas ejection is the result of industrial activity which I believe it is, as opposed to the excretion of used atmosphere. Then there must be times when the smelters shut down and the fires cease. Then another picture on another day, treated the same, blown up the same, would show no gas ejections. So he's sort of almost... He's talking like a Victorian Mm. smelting house.
0: Yeah, yeah, almost, yeah, Industrial Revolution imagery going on. That's
1: right, yeah. Interesting. So... Do we know if he
0: the ringmakers of Saturn and this are roughly the same time period aren't they yeah i wonder if they knew each other the authors (laughs) you know i mean i mean can you imagine going out to dinner with those two that'd be brilliant wouldn't it god we could take our mics down there just record and let them go you know that'd be incredible because there are there are parallels aren't there with what they're saying which I guess some people could argue gives it some credibility. You know, it's it's a mining or some kind of almost industrial process that's going on on the moon and to create the rings of Saturn. Yeah, they'd have a great old discussion if they they didn't know each other and got oh, together. Oh, yeah, yeah, they would. I mean But the Ringmaker the Saturn guy also talked about activity on the moon, didn't he? he? Kind of touched on it, but not not in much detail.
1: Yeah, yeah, well he claimed that the large crater was the caused by the exhaust of That's it. Spaceship. A giant spaceship. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, which in a way is slightly madder than this. Yeah. Um but he sort of he then speculates like Maybe some of these things are set up to attract our attention. Now, I would refute that because there are much better ways of attracting (laughs) our attention. But he does go through, now, this is interesting. These are the different ways that scientists in the past have suggested that we signal to other races, because he uses this as a bit of a backdrop. That's that's good. I like that. The mathematician Carl Frederick Gors suggested that forest lanes might be planted in Siberia to form a gigantic right-angled triangle. Squares could be erected on each side to illustrate the Pythagorean theorem. Um, So, like, okay, yeah, that's a good mathematical one. So, giant forest lanes. The astronomer Joseph Johann von Littrow urged that canals be dug in the Sahara, forming geometric figures 20 miles on a side. At night, kerosene could be spread over the water and lit. <laughs> that's, that's genius. But why would we
0: need to do that? Isn't it obvious we're an inhabited planet? Well, with all yeah. the lights and everything going on, well, I guess it depends how old these these theories are. But yeah,
1: uh, no, you're right. Um, the French scientist Charles Cross wanted his government to construct a vast mirror to reflect sunlight to Mars. Right, and. Um, Bernard M Oliver I don't know who that is he's an electronics engineer told the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics that the that intelligent radio signals are probably pouring in on earth undetected and he urged the construction of sensitive equipment to listen and so that is the first sort of
0: sounds very setty
1: it is yeah yeah um, and of course he points out that Nikola Tesla wanted us to send messages so we're doing both now we're listening and sending yeah. as far as i know we haven't built a giant canal in the uh in the desert but <laughs> has anyone got a match <laughs> <laughs> but he says you know whether that is true or not whether those those fleur-de-lis i mean it's a kind of a bizarre thing is it how will we tell these humans we're here do they make a Fleur de Lis on the dark side of the or, or moon? Or
0: do, do, do we just fly our huge spaceship into their atmosphere and say, <laughs> "Wave here. at them"? Yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not buying that. Are
1: you? No, I'm not buying that. No. So a few of his theories as to what is going on. So you ask, why? What are they doing? Why are they mining there? Are they mining throughout the rest of the universe? So he says the wide range of technology that he claims to have seen on the moon suggest there are a number of races on the moon. So um, he says, for example, the crater spraying appears to be localised. So he's saying, okay, they're used by various people uh, or people's civilizations, and they're using different techniques to get different things out of the moon. I mean...
0: But again, I mean, it seems like a leap that there's one alien species mining the moon... Well, just because the equipment and what they're doing is different, he leaps to the assumption that there's more than one alien species there? That's a bit odd to me.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. He also says that they're probably there to extract rare elements. I mean, right. yeah, uh,
0: possible. That's like that mobile phone element that you need. Is it that? It's basically for
1: alien mobile phones. There's a lot yeah. of it on the moon. That's right. Yeah. Although he does point out that he thinks that everything... On there is possibly just mechanized and therefore either AI or cybernetic control. Which begs the question why do you think they shut down their smelters at night? Yeah. If they're mechanized. Well, then the
0: 70s, that's that, you know, now that doesn't sound weird that he's saying it, but in the 70s, that would have been quite shocking, wouldn't it? It would have been shocking.
1: But the most shocking thing that he says is he thinks it's possibly a base for the hybridization program on Earth. So again, we have that familiar trope but why you need to dig up a crater to hybridize humans i don't know he's definitely throwing spaghetti against the wall at this point isn't he i i think the whole thing unfortunately is spaghetti and i think it's one man trying to make sense of sure they do look anomalous things in the photographs but they don't look that anomalous not really
0: yeah it's amazing the power of that Paradoilia though isn't it if it it, oh yeah or this type of paradoilia, maybe i know it's probably not technically but it always fascinates me that when the mars photos and oh look there's a there's a face
1: on the thing
0: of mars and we've all seen them right
1: oh yeah yeah and of course it's not a face the next time you fly over yeah yeah um but i thought it'd be interesting just to point out um that that he isn't the only person to spot odd lunar happenings. But the other people to spot odd lunar happenings are, I would guess, coming at it from a very different scientific perspective. So this, from the Society for Popular Astronomy. Lunar observers have noticed that the moon's surface is occasionally host to anomalous transient lunar phenomena. So what I was talking about before. I'm into the lights. I'm, I'm into the lights. Which have assumed a variety of forms, including isolated flashes, pulses of light coloured glows and obscurations of portions of the lunar surface. Just why the science of astronomy has been unwilling to accept that our satellite occasionally displays obvious signs of activity is almost a bigger mystery as TLP themselves. NASA's belated inquiries represented a grudging acknowledgement that the moon might not actually be the dead world it is so convincingly advertises itself to be for most of the time. It was in NASA's interest however to downplay the idea of an active moon. Known factors in lunar exploration were hazardous enough to plan for, and contend with, without having to admit that there might be some unknown threat to the Apollo lunar astronauts, which could jeopardise the $25 billion programme. So this is not from the book, this is from the astronomy. This is so. this is from the astronomy, yeah. An, an active moon...
0: Are they saying that's kind of geological, natural, geological activity, and natural, not yes.
1: necessarily extraterrestrial?
0: No. Right, right.
1: I like this one. One of the most notable TLP sightings occurred at eight forty-five on the nineteenth of July, nineteen sixty-nine, when the crew of Apollo Eleven observed the northwest wall of um. Oh God, again. God, uh, it's
0: time <laughs> for our bad pronunciation.
1: Aristarchus. Aristarchus. Aristarchus to be displaying some kind of peculiar luminous activity. At the same time, German astronomers Proust and Witt of the Institute for Space Research in Bochum, observing with a 150mm refractor, noted brightenings in (laughs) our. I said it before, Artarchus lasting 5 to 7 seconds. So they don't know what it is, but they observed it both at close range and uh, at far, uh, far distance. And, and verified it was by two sources. Verified by two sources. Wow, that is really interesting, that, isn't it? But um, it's not It's not a thing, it's not saying it's a mining operation. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. literally saying that the NASA didn't sort of go, oh, yeah, maybe it's some sort of weird geological thing because they don't want somebody turning around and saying, well, you're not flying that $25 billion yeah. craft there then.
0: Could be some alien crisp packet that landed on the moon is reflecting the sun.
1: <laughs> but wouldn't you if you knew this, if this was such a big secret around NASA, you'd do all you could to stay off the moon and stop looking at the moon, wouldn't you? Or the opposite. You'd, you know, you try and make first contact and...
0: I, I don't know, actually. I, I, I was thinking more the other way. Wouldn't, wouldn't we still be going
1: back there even secretly? Maybe we are. Well, we are going back. We are going back. Yeah, because I, I, I was looking... Because I don't know, like, I, until I looked into this, I sort of vaguely knew we were going back, but I didn't know when. This from space.com. American astronauts in 2024 will take their first steps near the moon's south pole... Um, the, it's known as the land of extreme light and extreme darkness at that point um, to, uh, f- to see if it could fuel NASA's Artemis lunar base and the agency's leap into deep space um, and basically it goes on to explain that scientists are looking for the perfect place to put Artemis base camp why would you be sending astronauts to the moon to yep. look for a place to put base camp yeah. if you think there are X drones wandering around that might dig it up
0: Although, if you're going to buy into the conspiracy theory, NASA have just been waiting for the mining operation to finish. Maybe they've all left now. Well, and we need to it great good time to explore because it's less dangerous. I'm just I'm just peeping. That is a good time to explore. That is uh, yes. No, you're right. You're, you're right. You'd get on really well with George Leonard <laughs> yeah, yeah. if he was. I'm, I really want that. You know, go back in time and want that dinner to happen.
1: <laughs> but you remember back in the time when. Um, War of the Worlds was written. Yeah. We truly believe that the, the images that we saw on the the moon were canals and seas. The Sea of Tranquility yeah. is, is on the moon yeah. because that's what they look like. Yeah. It is not what they are. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, George Leonard has got entangled in a something that he probably didn't understand it's possible that there were notes and winks on uh, between nasa because of some of the things that the yep. astronaut saw but i don't think he saw yeah so giant tell,
0: jcbs so what you're saying is the it's almost there is this there's something there there's something weird, and they've set the spark flying. But he's gone and run off with that ball at high speed, has not he? <laughs> he really has. But I, I'm. Str- I remember we um, when we interviewed uh, Paul H. Smith about the remote viewing. Yes. Program, who was one of the key people in the U.S. military remote viewing program. Uh, I think it was either towards the end of the interview we asked him about aliens and stuff. He, he he didn't really want to get into it. But I remember him saying, yeah, but there's some, definitely something weird about the moon, but I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> you know what I mean? He did. He yeah, did. Yeah. And, and it's been a few people like that of going, so I, I, I'm i with you, Ben. I think, you know, from my believer hat on that there could be something unusual about the moon, either now or historically. But yeah, it's it's this huge leap that goes into right now. So it's mining operations, and all you can see that antenna on that structure there, and that's a big base. It's interesting. Did if there, you want to get misinformation out there to detract from something, do they target again? Going back to Grosh, do they target people that they know will run with the ball?
1: Um. Yeah, and you have the means to do it. So, that
0: you know, whatever. At the time or a few years later on this kind of podcast, we will go, hold on a sec, he's saying what? There's arrows there that's telling him where to land. How ridiculous. Do they pick people that they know will just run with that or like the ringmakers of Saturn type stuff? Yeah. But there could be some, you know, fruit of the poison tree. There is something, but it gets distorted deliberately, Picked people, maybe by by because they think, yeah. I I often, and I'm not saying this is the case with Bob Lazar because I think he has a lot of credibility, but there is so much about Bob Lazar and the history of him and the kind of person he is, doesn't feel like that typical intelligence agency, you know, NASA military person that you would hire you know it's like all those ex-military pilots all the aircraft development that went on at area 51 these were a certain type of people who could keep all these secrets from their loved ones let alone go off some tangent with it my point is with bob lazar there is something that maybe they knew he would do what he did and run with it and that helps the disinformation doesn't mean there's not a grain of truth in it
1: i i agree with you actually and, and if that is the case, is there a more terrifying truth? Charles Fort said, I believe we are property. Yeah. If we are property, maybe the moon is mysterious because it was put there by whoever decided to form the earth and put no. humans on there. And maybe the hybridization programme... Is part of a breeding program, just like I breed tropical fish.
0: Well, that's that's almost uh, part of the plot of Jupiter
1: Ascending, isn't it? Yeah. That the Earth is a farm. (laughs) Well, it would make sense, and that and the Moon is our salt lick.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really good analogy.
1: So that, everybody, is how the 1970s thought the Moon was. (laughs) <laughs> no wonder they were wearing such big flares. I was one when that book was out. That's amazing, though.
0: Mm. I, I I I like. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm really glad we cover these old books because people will go, "Why are you covering that?" There's so much more that's come out since then. But it's amazing how it actually sparks debate and discussion and almost puts things into context of you know how we've gone. Through the episode, going back through the whistleblowers that are in front of Congress at the moment, to these books and going, whoa, "Whoa, this is why we need to be careful."
1: Yeah, and actually, really, apart from there is a book which I am trying to get hold of. It's it's out of print, very hard to get hold of. Um, "Who Built the Moon?" This is the only. This is the only book where it's not just madness. Everybody else wants to talk about. Um, You know, the famous, I can confirm Santa Claus is real and all of that. And it's just hearsay. This guy at least got a magnifying glass out, got some photographs and put forward his theorem. Yeah. I mean, it's not a great theory, but I would recommend the book to you, though. I mean, it is well written. It isn't impenetrable. Uh, It isn't full of equations like the ringmakers of Saturn is. And it is fascinating to think that there are some real mysteries that come out of that. Why is the moon older than the Earth? Why is its geological makeup so different Mm. if it was made up of bits of the Earth? Why is it such a perfect size? Why does it make the Earth work? And... I think that perfect size thing is...
0: I mean, that is such a hell of a coincidence, isn't it? The fact that, you know, it can eclipse the sun at the right times perfectly perfectly if you know it's the perfect distance and size to do that that's one hell of a coincidence i'm not saying it isn't a coincidence but wow yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah.
0: well that was amazing i think the lesson from that episode ben is it's good to look at these things but you've got to keep your feet on the ground um so i wanted to move on to talking about our ambition to try and make Sherlock Holmes a real person (laughs) (laughs) at the TQM Tulpa project because to be honest we've had a we've had a bit of a quiet period haven't we and I thought oh maybe our ambition to you know create some activity around Sherlock Holmes has just died its death we had we had a bit of a good start but We have had – this is an interesting one that we've had come through from sally Ann Crench. She said, I listened a few few weeks ago to the podcast and I was researching Victorian morgues for history for our paranormal investigations report. That is a good project, isn't it? Victorian morgues, that's got the lot, hasn't it? They said they clicked randomly on an article of interest and saw the name Sherlock Holmes mentioned researching the history for the next investigation, found out it's believed to have been used as inspiration for the location of the Hound of the Baskervilles. So this is another one. that's
1: interesting.
0: So they were going to go and do the investigation, I guess do some shooting, and she said, today we cancelled the investigation due to bad weather. Hope they had weather insurance. Um, (laughs) So instead we came home... Being shown on Sky Arts is the hand of the Baskerville. So they were no. they were going to go and shoot. It was cancelled because of the rain. So they thought, well, we'll just watch some Sky Arts and there's the hand of the Baskerville.
1: Wow. Okay, that that's, is that's, that's that's good pretty one. good. I
0: like that. Yeah. I think what's coming out of this for me, all the good ones we get are people who are not trying to do the project. And we, you know, I, I know one of our patrons was saying he'd, he'd been doing it religiously um, every day and add nothing. So I think maybe that is it. Maybe what we should do over the next few weeks is almost forget about the TQM Tulpa projects and Sherlock Holmes and then see if that sparks more. So it's like this experiment is evolving, isn't it? Different methods for trying to get something out of it. It
1: is. It is evolving. Yes, yes.
0: And Ben, probably by the end of this, we can write a book that gets published and in about 50 years, there'll be two podcasters going, you can't believe this crazy stuff these two people (laughs) came up with. (laughs) They really ran with it, they bloody idiots. (laughs) 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 So anyway, thank you for sending it. Keep sending in if you have any of those Sherlock Holmes stuff. Uh, Really fascinating. Thank you for that. Thanks, all of you who've uh, been saying nice words for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to follow us there, it's at TQM Podcast. Uh, big thanks to the quantum mechanics patrons so if you want to join the patreon program go to patreon.com forward slash tqm pod uh, we're putting some exclusive and early stuff up there now so yeah come and join us
1: please do it because if I if I could I'd buy that book the um you know the um who who made the moon yeah who built the moon it's 400 quid Blimey. I know but i'll buy it and that's literally why i want to get the patreon thing going yeah because i haven't got 400 quid but if i had 400 quid damn right i'd be buying it
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely good all right well uh thank you for listening to the quantum mechanics we're going to be back next week we've got uh yeah we've got something w- hopefully i'm not going to give it away but uh i'm going to do something a bit unique next week so it's definitely worth coming back i know you will anyway but a it's worth- a peculiar
1: special guest.
0: Yes, we have a strange special guest. That's that's about as much as we can give away. So we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you,
1: bye. The
0: Quantum Mechanics